What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, flamethrowers, Amir here, and I am so pleased today to join forces and chat with two NWSL rookies who are breaking barriers, breaking ankles, taking names. Um, and so it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show uh, Ziera King, forward for Utah Royals. And Z was on in early June when we did our Black mm-hmm. Women Athletes Speak Up episode. So check that out if you haven't. And welcome for the first time uh, to the show, to the pod, Madison Hammond, who is a defender for the OL Reign. Um, thank y'all for joining me. Yeah, thank, thank you for, you having, for us. having us. Oh, I'm, I'm hype. Um, I've been very hype. So it's, I mean, what a year to be a rookie. <laughs> Literally. To say the least. It's wild. It's wild. Um, but I want to start with um, a little bit about that, about what it's kind of been like. And so, Madison, uh, what <laughs> what has it been like? And uh, if you guys have been under a rock, one of the big things that happened last week is that Madison became the first Native American to sign a professional contract with the NWSL, um, which is a barrier that shouldn't have to be broken, but we're still here in the, in the year of the firsts. Um, and so all of a sudden, you're a rookie, you're breaking barriers, and then you have Billie Jean King and Gab Union and everybody, um, you know, taking notice, taking notice. Um, what does it mean to you to have um, that kind of be your your entry into your professional career? Yeah, for me, it was, you know, I signed my contract back in um, June before the Challenge Cup. And, you know, Challenge Cup, I didn't get into the, any games, which was fine. You know, I was just learning and I was happy to just be there. And But I think just the past couple of weeks, you know, I made my debut this past weekend and got in against Portland a couple nights ago. And then just having people come to you and be like, what's it like to be the first? Like, I never thought I was gonna be the first anything in sports. You know, you hear like stats of they're the first person to do X, Y, Z. And you're like, wow, they're so cool. And so for someone to finally, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, I did an interview with Men in Blazers and the whole interview was what's it like to be the first Native American in the NWSL. And, you know, it's just kind of very humbling, but it's also really just inspiring to see how many people have taken notice and see that as like just positive representation. And for me, it's a, it's a little bit of pressure, but it's also, it's good pressure and it keeps me grounded, but it also gives me a purpose outside of just like me and just sport Um, I think sport is great to tell bigger stories than just yourself. So for me, it's just been taking it all in. That's that's absolutely right. And and I want to take a step back because going back to what a kind of wild year it's been, it was a little, um, the transition has not been as seamless as you 
thought your professional careers would start like we talked about this a little bit or Lindsay talked to you about this Z when um talking about like what it was like to move to Utah in a pandemic what has been the most challenging aspect of like being rookies in the time of COVID yeah um I think you know besides the fact of having multiple preseasons in one year um (laughs) I think terrible yeah that's been rough but just, you know, having to come out here and then go home and then come back and then go home, just like, you don't really get to like build that comfort and that like um, routine. It, it was like very much like stop and start. Um, and that was, that was pretty difficult um, in terms of, you know, like trying to really like get grounded and, and be comfortable and, and then like get into a, a zone and and so that was that was definitely probably one of the most challenging parts of of this year. Just, you know, when we got sent home, you know, the people on contract had to go home for a few months. It was like trying to train on your own, trying to stay in shape. Am I doing enough? What is everybody else doing? It was like very much like just nothing but time to think about, you know, what was going on. So it, it was definitely difficult. For me, it's a little bit different. I I was not drafted um, in the formal draft that earlier this year. So I, when I first went into preseason, was not on contract. So being sent home in COVID times, I didn't know if I was going to get invited back in for whatever reason or if we were even going to have a season. And then all of a sudden, you know, like Z said, you're training by yourself, kicking against a wall. You know it's not ideal, but you still need it to be enough to keep you in shape and all of that. And then one day I get a call and it's like, we need you here in Seattle tomorrow. And it's like, okay, well, let me just readjust everything that's going on in my life. And you're trying to chase your dreams. So of course you're going to do whatever it takes. But at the same time, it's like people who've been in the league and understand what the league looks like for them. This was a huge adjustment for them, but for rookies who have no idea what anything is like, I think it was just like made the learning curve much steeper but I do take a positive out of it in that I hope we'll be ready for anything at this point but yeah so even just coming back for a third preseason is just like all right here we go again exactly and so you know they're also coming into a league that um, has been outspoken on issues of pay equity that has been you know finding their voice in other areas but you come into the league as black women as as a native woman um, in the midst also of ongoing conversations about anti-blackness about white supremacy um, in the wake of continuous murders and even though you're rookies, you've been in a position where there's a spotlight. Um, and Z, you especially have been very vocal um, and while wow, dealing with some some BS out there in Utah. And yeah. in, in my opinion, being one of the most vocal leading the charge to say like, actually, this is not, get this out of our league. Um, right. And I was wondering what that kind of tension I mean it's not so much attention because you're embodying it but coming into a league as a rookie and then also emerging as a leader um, and speaking up and saying hey this can't stand in our league this can't stand in our sport and you know kind of blazing a new trail for what advocacy and and speaking up about social justice looks like is a position that I won't say you've found yourself in um, but I think that you've also stepped into um, right and so what has that been like this summer this long summer definitely 
Um, you know, I think it's kind of funny because I feel like I can't not talk about this without relating it back to like my childhood. I'm the youngest, I'm the only girl. And so like, I feel like I just from growing up, I've always been like, okay, we're not doing it like this. We're doing it my way <laughs> and you're going to listen to me. And that's just how it's, I've kind of always been. And so coming in into this rookie season and just seeing all this go down, it's just been like, I've never really had an issue with, you know, standing up for the things that I believe in. And so um, it's been difficult in terms of like, should I do this? Like, obviously I'm new, like not everybody knows me, like, should I say these things? But then I was thinking about it, like this will not only affect me, but will affect so many people after me. And so like, it only feels right to, you know, stand up for these things to then, you know, like you said, like blaze a path for Black women to come after this. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that you have leagues like the WNBA who have historically been outspoken and soccer, especially because of, you know, a pay for pay system and youth soccer is really intense now (laughs) that it has created some disparities. And so, you know, they're lagging behind in terms of representation that we might see in other sports Um, and Madison in particular I think that people really don't understand like they don't work with a lot of visibility of Native women and you know I think that uh, Jordan Daniels and Rosalie Fish um, as runners as cross-country runners have kind of increased visibility particularly raising awareness for missing and murdered Indigenous women. Um, What is it like to be you know multiracial and to be in this position but also to kind of be just embodying and, and, and by your very presence, compelling people to rethink what they understand about what it means to be Native? Mm-hmm. So for me, I think that all of this happening this year was just it's like a compounded amount of things to think about and be concerned about in that, obviously, with, you know, a resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement this year really called me back to using my voice just to not stand for certain things and people that I'm close to like really recognizing that I'm not going to stand for certain things anymore. And I think that for a long time, I kind of had to just endure those kind of spaces. And because of that, I don't think I was, have been as vocal as I would like to be. And I just feel like this year has just been a really good time to talk to people like Z and have conversations and just be like, this is whack, but also being like able to really use the voice that I know I have to advocate for all parts of me in that, you know, I want to be involved in all conversations about being black and what it means to be black in that there are so many different ways of being black and people need to understand that, but also doing the due diligence to all of me in that I'm was raised by a Native American woman, a single mom. And so I owe a lot of that to my identity. And I feel like the fact that people like Billie Jean King and Gabrielle Union are tweeting about that, it doesn't, it's, it's sad, but unfortunately you have to wait for people with certain platforms, even your own platform to validate that in a way so that you're seen in certain spaces otherwise like you're just invisible and my whole life it's not that I've been invisible but no one's ever seen me as a Native American woman so I think just all of it happening this year I don't think 
it could have happened at a more perfect time. Like everybody's talk, everybody's talking about it. It's a trendy thing to talk about race right now. And for good or for bad, I think that it brings out authentic things in people and it makes people want to actually question and challenge. And so that's all I can ask for is that you just challenge the way that you think and whatever pictures and notions you have of black people, black women, Native American women, can that get a little bit better, even a little bit by like what I represent and what you see in me. So for me, that's just kind of like all of that on top of trying to play good soccer. So (laughs) absolutely. And I wonder, you know, sometimes when I talk to um, black women in, in predominantly white sports, they, they talk about all the love they have for their teammates. And also there's a part of them that is like, how do I juggle white teammates in this moment? Right. And I often say like, you know, are your shoulders heavy? Like you're doing a lot of lifting and you know, what, what does it look like? I mean, for all of us in spaces, whether it's in newsrooms and for me in the Academy, it's like this, I talk myself into work. You know, if I I talk myself into it by advocating, by doing it next thing I know, I'm on like 15 million committees. Right. And, and in a position where it's like, (laughs) Oh, we want to learn. And I'm like, okay, well, Google, read a book. And so I've seen this in multiple workplaces. Are you finding uh, moments in this year that have um, created uh, a weight on your shoulders? Are you doing lifting? Do you see your teammates? Do you see the league itself um, kind of rising to the standards you're setting? You know, I think definitely. And I think that's something, you know, that we have to carry as Black women always. And I think particularly like um, at this club, it's been difficult because, well, for a good amount of time, the only black people in the organization were the players. And so when you, when you don't have, you know, black women, black men in, you know, those spaces higher up, everything always falls back down to us. It's like, okay, so what do you guys think of this? So what do you guys think of this? As opposed to like, you know, like bouncing it off us instead of like all of it depending on us. And so um, I think there's been a lot of times and, and I've voiced that opinion, like if you diversify, you know, these spaces, it'll be a lot easier for these questions to be answered and, and things like that. And so that's definitely been been one thing that's been difficult, like at our club. Um, in terms of the league, I think that um, there's definitely a lot of room for improvement. Um, I think that, you know, with the Black Players Collective that, you know, has, has come about, I think that, you know, what, what Midge and, and Crystal and, and all them are doing to make a voice for us is absolutely amazing. It, it definitely has changed the game in so many ways for us to bounce ideas, to feel, you know, have like a sense of community and that safe space to just like talk about how we feel. And um, I think it's really important, especially for some of the teams that only have like one black player um, to have like a voice and to have people backing them up in these, in these kind of issues. But yeah, it's definitely, it's been some lifting for sure. Yeah. I mean, I would agree that we've had to do some lifting. And I mean, I think that I'm very fortunate in that the club environment here is very conducive to allow us to voice our opinions and give our thoughts, but Z, like you're saying, I feel like from top down, while we might not have the racial representation, they are still willing to not necessarily be like coming to us with the questions and asking us for the solutions, but more so saying like, hey, we want to do this and this and this. What are your thoughts? Like, what do you think we should X? What do you think we should do? And 
I can honestly say that I think that the conversations that we have as a team, while everyone might not agree, everyone has come to an understanding this year and everyone is on the same page and everyone is actually in support of the movement and of each other because we've done the work. And so I'm just really proud of that because, you know, Z is an example of what happens when you don't get that and that's not, you can't take it for granted. And so I'm just really fortunate to have that opportunity and have that as space. But at the same time, it makes me then want to take what we have and just spread it to everyone else because, you know, having the black players, the collective, um, like Z said, you know, being able to have other people who have similar feelings and we might not all agree on everything either, but at least there's a space for us to create a unified voice because I didn't realize, and that's probably my own naive whateverness. Um, you know, you get to the league and you realize just how few black and brown girls there are in the league. And it's like, whoa. And then you get asked the question of like, why aren't black and brown girls playing soccer? And it's like, they are playing soccer. They are playing soccer. Please repeat it with me. They are. But as you get older, you know, those disparities, the financial disparities, you know, they start taking over and they weigh people down. And then by the time you're at the highest level, you don't have representation anymore. So I think that that's something else that needs to be addressed from like the root problems of like youth soccer and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And when we talk about um, part of this is not a magic wand that any one team or league is going to solve. Like, how do you recruit? How do you consider the capacity for excellence of black and brown girls? And if you're seeing a girl who's fast and you're like, great, you have to play track or basketball because you're tracking them, then that's another reason you're going to end up with a disparity. If you look at a, a black girl and you're like, oh my goodness, you can play anywhere on the field. And so we're going to like crystal dun you. And then FIFA is going to disrespect her in the ratings because she's like actually the best all around player. Like, I think you have those moments where um, the small things that have been embedded within the culture of soccer. And I think about that, thinking about Olympic years and World Cup years and my friends who don't watch sports will be like, wow, like, why is it that like every other team, like the Netherlands, France, like, why do they have black girls everywhere? Like that disparity becomes really stark on the world level. And I'm like, well, colonialism, but also. <laughs> so thinking about that next cycle, like next time it's happening, what are your dreams? What, where do you want um, both global football for women, but also the NWSL to be just the kind of, you know, soccer community in, in this country, um, if your representation is going to make an impact, what is your vision for the future of soccer? Yeah, um, I think a big thing for me is to have more representation, like I was saying, in the front office spaces, um, in the head coaching positions, um, because I feel like right now it's white men, it's, you know, the stats that um, came out the other day from uh, Brenda and Jermaine, yeah, fair. Yes, exactly. Um, the fair information with it, you know, the lack of diversity in, in these spaces is unreal. And so I think that allowing not only more space for, you know, players to develop and get to the next level and dismantling that whole pay to play system. Um, will then create the opportunity, more development, more learning and, and the ability to get into these higher spaces, but also like 
it comes from the people that are there. Like, are you hiring fairly? Are you genuinely like looking for diversity and, and not just using it as a buzzword? Um, and so for me, that's definitely a big thing that I think will, will be very empowering to see in the next five years. Yeah, I, I think for me, I want soccer to look, I want it to just look like the best players are having opportunities to continue playing. And that's not to say that one race has better players than others, like nothing like that, but just more so that when a woman of color wants to play soccer, it's not an anomaly. It's just the norm. And so for more and more people to continue playing soccer, they just need to continue having access. And so I don't even know if that can be solved in five years. That's like, it's almost like a generational thing, but it's more just like having more diverse, different faces in the league and not even just in our league, but in leagues around the world and people being able to go abroad. And I think a lot of that will change with, you know, pay equity and things like that. That's a whole different topic. But I think creating more normalcy in things that are normal, you know, it's normal for black and brown girls to play soccer. And so just seeing that on a more consistent basis is just what I think is the next goal. I mean, that pay equity issue is actually, you know, bound up in it, right? And, and Absolutely. I think that, you know, it's very hard, right? If you're like, oh, this is, if I play individual sport like track, I play Olympic sport, there's there's pathways to to monetization there that have been laid out um, that sometimes make it an easier choice or even even the WNBA at this point, you know, and pay equity is a key part of that, but also taking that energy that is spent on pay equity and you have women's soccer in this country has been at the forefront of conversations around pay equity. And so it's also about being able to say, hey, take that same energy to, you know, other parts <laughs> of us, um, because, you know, for as vocal as people are in pay equity, don't, don't go mute on issues of uh, racial and other forms of social justice, because it's all bound up together. Um, and so I think that that is absolutely an essential point. So I'll just, I'll end by saying what has been the most joyous, what has been the best part of this very unusual rookie season? You can go first, Tam. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think for me, it's just been having the opportunity to learn from literally the best players in the world. And every day work is fun. Like I get up and I'm like, I got to go to work, but work is, work's pretty good. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's nice that with everything else going on in such an exhausting year, this decade of a year, at least we have soccer and Unfortunately, it, it is really sucky for me, in my opinion, that there's so many other things going on and it's all wrapped up in our head and we still have to perform. But being able to, you know, put a lot of things aside and just focus on the game is really pulled me through this year. That's for sure. Yeah, um, I've got two. So I think one thing that's, you know, kind of been a positive is like getting the chance to get games. Um, and get that experience um, in a lower pressure kind of environment. Um, obviously, you know, with Challenge Cup and Fall Series, like it's not like a full season. So it's literally like, okay, like, especially now in Fall Series, it's like these games don't really count for much. But, oh like, my I gosh, still... don't get me started on that. When I found out that that doesn't even count towards the, oh. Yeah, I know. 
it's like, but I can still, you know, work on that game fitness, get that improvement, understand what it's like to play in front of a crowd and, and against some of the best players in the league. And so I think for me, that's been a real, a real positive of this year. Um, and then also just like the sense of community that I felt from so many people, like it's unreal, like, especially, you know, like the black women in this league, the fans, like reporters, like so many different people have just like really shown up to support. And that definitely has, has meant a lot um, in all this wild craziness. I'm, I'm so proud of y'all. And mm-hmm. it's so great to be able to say like, look, there, there's a native woman. Look at these black women. Look, like, look at Z out here saying, Hey, why is your little silhouette of women always have ponytails? Like <laughs> all of these things are pushing barriers and, and pushing those like boxes that people want to put women athletes in. Um, they're pushing it tremendously. So I hope that y'all stay well, stay healthy, keep grinding, take care. Self-care is important. I hope y'all are binging some Grid TV, um, or Crush <laughs> TV, whatever, as long as you're <laughs> relaxing in some way. Um, and we appreciate you taking the time to come on, burn it all down. You know, we are always cheering for you. Um, you can check out upcoming games uh, on 1017. They will be playing each other when the Royals take <laughs> on the rain at 8 p.m. That um, is certainly not a game to miss. None of these games are games to miss, if we're being <laughs> honest. And now you have even more ways of watching them. So check your times, check your listings, check it out um, and keep supporting. We'll keep supporting y'all. Um, y'all. Hope that load is not as heavy as it has been, Um, but I do thank you for carrying it and uh, take care. Thank Thank you so so much.